Hello and welcome back to the Let's Watch Something podcast. I'm your host Juanita. And I'm Justin. Thank you for joining us again on this podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and we give our take on them from a mother and son's point of view. Today we'll be discussing season two, episode six of Apple TV's hit show, Foundation, titled Why the Gods Made Wine. All right, Justin, I think that episode six, Why uh, the Gods Made Wine, is another stellar episode. Um, Of course, this one was directed by Alice Gray, so that's no surprise. But I will say I had um, some struggles writing my notes this week because I think there are a lot of things that need to be worked out, ideas that need to be worked out in terms of what's going on with certain characters. So... But all in all, I uh, like this episode uh, a lot. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you there. I think this episode was a lot more straightforward. And like you, I didn't have a whole lot of notes that I took for this particular episode. But I think um, that this episode was a lot of, you know, table setting, I guess we could call it. Yes, I agree with you. I was going to say set up but table setting is another great way to characterize it. So, um, because we see, we have these characters that are going to be very important to uh, the next few episodes and probably the entirety of the season. So, um, it's just a nice little setup episode. So, let's yeah, get... Yeah, uh, you know, along that line, I mm-hmm. appreciate that this episode we were really able to get some backstory for Harry. So... Mm-hmm. Yep. Very interesting to see, you know, the trajectory of his character over time and to where we see him now. Yeah, and well, like the way, the way, the reason why he thinks the way he thinks about certain things. Yeah, I think that's very important because you know, heretofore I've been just kind of like panning Harry, and but you know, it's good to get their backstory so y- you can kind of understand why people do what they do. So, mm-hmm. uh, with that being said, shall we get right into it? Sure, let's do it. Okay, we're going to start with the little bitty scenes. And uh, the first scene that we're speaking about is Hober Mallow. Um, he's finished his jumping on the spirit, and he is confused. <laughs> you know, uh, we don't know what Harry told him in the, uh, in, the, in the vault there. So we don't know where he is. Yeah, this is... Um Again, the mystery continues with Hober Mallow. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a mystery from the first time we saw him because, or if the first time we even heard what Hober Mallow was. Like right. Like, what is that? Is that a person? Is that a thing? Is that an anagram? Look mean. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it was. <laughs> but now we know it's a person, mm-hmm. this guy. But now his, you know, the mystery surrounding him continues because we see him jump through space to this completely empty whatever this is, wherever he's at. Right. right. And then this ship just comes out of, I don't know, like a... <laughs> you think oh. it's a ship? I guess it has to be a ship because it's out in out in space. Yeah, I think it's a ship. It's it, But, you know, it comes through this weird portal-looking thing. I don't know. It doesn't look like the other... Like when other ships jump through space, you know? It doesn't look like they're using the similar kind of, I don't know, technology that other ships use. Like right. when we see Hober Mallow's ship jump into this scene, um, it has like this little trail that it leaves behind and it, you know, 
it has a particular look to it that is similar to other ships that we've seen jump through space, but this one, it looks like it's coming almost through like a wormhole or something, hmm. which I thought was really interesting. I don't know if, if that has any anything to do with what this, I guess, the spacer ship, like how that impacts the rest of the story, what, what you know, what's going on with that in general. Right. Well, if it's it's a spacer ship, which we find out in the next Hover Mallow scene, and so... Who knows what type of technology they have to move around the galaxy. I mean, I'm sure it's jump technology, but the way they use it is probably uh, maybe a lot different from the way they have to use it when they're on ships with humans, like regular, you know, humans. So, Yeah, yeah that, you know, that's an interesting thought because, you know, you, you just made me think that on this ship it would only be them. Right. So they don't have humans to worry about, so they can, I don't know. I don't know if the lack of humans ha- would have any impact on how the ship jumps or how it looks when it is jumping through space like that. We don't know, but I'm very interested to find out. Because um, as we see, when he gets inside of this thing, it looks like a living. It looks like a living thing. Like yeah, it's we, breathing. Yeah, and you can see it. Like the pulsing. the patterns inside the ship are actually moving. Yeah. So that to me is very interesting. Again. The stunning visuals that this show provides are like eye candy. I mean, I just love to like I could take a screenshot of these these scenes and just like put them in pictures. That's how beautiful it is. Yeah. So he meets the spacers and um, they're wanting to know, what are you doing here? So it begs the question, like Harry's got, you know, we're going to call him. uh, I guess we call him body Harry now, right? No, 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 no. We don't. We don't call him body Harry. <laughs> We're going to call him the Vault Harry because he's the one who sent him on this, on this mission, right? Mm-hmm. And what does he know? We don't know all of what Vault Harry knows, right? So we just, we just mm-hmm. kind of can have to sit back and let things unfold and see what happens. Well, yeah, I guess that's that's the. Um the unifying theme. <laughs> exactly. Really for both Harry's, no matter which one we're talking about. Is that we don't know what what either of them knows in totality. So mm-hmm. you know. Like like we've been saying this whole time, Harry is gonna be Harry and <laughs> we are never gonna have all the information that he has or all of the insight no. or whatever that he even has. as viewers we don't know. I mean people he people in the show, his his fellow characters, you know, his the people that he has to communicate with, they don't know. He sends them on these wild goose chases and again I'm I guess I'm not gonna call it a wild goose chase, but he sends them and he sends again, we're in this next scene, next uh, kind of smaller scenes where we see um Polly and Constant awakening on the uh, jump ship, right? So mm-hmm. Harry sent them to Trantor, and we already know we we know that they know they're going to. It's not going to be like all peaches and cream, you know, like everything's going to be hunky dory. But he, I, I, man, I think he just sent them into like a literal buzz. So like, okay, what are they going to be able to accomplish? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean. I was honestly kind of surprised when he said that they <laughs> would be going to Trantor because it's like, well, that's like, <laughs> of all the places you would want to go in the entire galaxy, why would you want to send people that you know that the Empire is definitely, no matter how long it's been, right, still hostile to. Exactly. In, you know, into that environment. 
Exactly. But I don't know. I mean, we. I, I don't know if you saw, but the title for the next episode is A Necessary Death, and I'm like, oh. Yep. Who Maybe. is it going to be? I don't know. I, I well. I bet I, you it's not anybody we expect. Who are you speculating? Well, if I had to speculate right now, I would say maybe it's um, Polly. Hmm. Yeah, you know what? I can see that because, you know, he's trying to come clean and everything. We see in the scenes, you know, um, after they go through uh, customs, I guess, for because they're getting their visas and everything. And uh, that particular scene was a bit... Um, <laughs> kind of crazy because you know the lady behind the the glass was like oh you're here from transfer that's exotic i mean i think she's kind yeah, of downplaying that was my favorite line from oh really show. oh i was like <laughs> the way she said it and was like well it just you know some things never change yeah exactly like oh transfer like it's almost like somebody from you know, like in Atlanta airport saying, uh, you coming in like, oh, I'm from Bali. Oh, that's exotic. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but we see him in this next scene, you know, we, which we'll get to um, where he's just kind of, he's just kind of in his own head and reminiscing about his faith and his beliefs and stuff like that. So look at this scene. I mean, can we just talk about, how beautiful this scene is. These outer rings of the planet Trantor with all of these docking stations for the jump ships. Like, there must be hundreds of jump ships out there. You think only hundreds? I don't know. You think more than more than, more than thousands? Definitely more than only hundreds. <laughs> it's like it's like Trantor Airlines or something, you know? Something. You go to your 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 uh you buy your ticket. You go to your uh, airport, and then you go to your gate, I mean, your terminal, and then you go to your gate, and then you get on, and you go somewhere. It's really kind of freaking cool. I love this scene here. I mean, just, I again, I would take that scene right there and just, like, put it on a poster, put it on a wall. That's yeah. how much I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of obsessed with this show. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that because I, you know, I have heard, directors writers executive producers all these people who are involved in the making of shows talk about how having to fight for certain things within a certain vfx shot and within uh, a show's overall budget you know fighting to keep certain things in right you know i just i'd like to commend them for doing so because it means that we get shots like this and we get expansive and imaginative new things especially in a show like this where you know if they don't push it to a certain extent then it's kind you know it doesn't have the same impact yeah it's kind of like regular smegular you know like like, that's why i tell people i really can't watch regular tv anymore you know because literally i think we're watching like many movies every week i mean these budgets for these shows are so grand like and they are able to do movie type things. I'm probably not saying that right, but it's very cinematic. I'll put it that way. It's mm-hmm. very cinematic. Um, so I really enjoy just watching it for the visuals. I mean, the locations, everything is just is just great. But in this particular scene, um, as they're coming into the, what would you call it, the customs area? What does what does Constance say? She's like, wow. Uh, 
I never thought I'd live to see this place again. I thought that was a very interesting statement, don't you? Yeah, she she said it, and I was like, "Wait, what? Again? Huh?" Exactly. And but then she said she was like, "Well, I imagined this as a child." I was like, "But "Mm." did you imagine it as a child?" Yeah, that that's that's the real question, right? Right, because I mean, you were probably there before. Well, was she? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, because why? Listen, I already know that these shows, once they, once someone, like everything you have to listen to and pay attention to. So I'm sure that wasn't a throwaway line. Like, oh, uh, I didn't think I would see this place again or some, something to that effect. I'm like, hmm, it made my ear perk up. So again, this will probably pay off sometime in the future. So let's, um, let's keep our ears and our eyes tuned for that. So I like this part too. This is what this is a funny line. It's not. It was not. It's not gonna be my favorite line. But <laughs> when um Constant pops up to the to the window and she's like, "Oh, I didn't realize there were two of you together." And then he pokes his head in that little circle, like, "We're not married." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. who would think you two were married? <laughs> no, who would think Polly and Constant were married? I mean, I guess anything is possible. But I just <laughs> thought I'm like, why do you have to throw that in there? You know, just to be sure. Just to be sure. I guess. But, you know, in this scene, because we know what uh, happens later in the episode, I wonder if this, I don't know, I guess we could call her a customs agent. Right. She knew that they were going to be detained, but she just like kind of played it off and played it cool and didn't even let them know that That's there was what anything I think. going on. That's what I think. She was playing it off because these people already know that they're, I mean, there's so many, um, so many points of information that can be gathered. You know, they know that they're there. Right. Yeah. And we see it in the next scene because, you know, they're in there. They have, you know, made it to their hotel room and they're kind of bunking in. I think Polly's drunk. What do you think? (laughs) He's his behavior. Definitely. (laughs) It seems like it. Yeah. I mean, he's just smiling at her and go get look. He's just, you know, when you drunk, you be you be doing all kinds of stuff. Like now he wants to get rid of all his drugs, his borderline dust, Mm -hmm. you know. I want to just throw that away. So he throws it away and then he's just grinning at her and then he gets really emotional and kind of like sad. Like, and that's what people who are like drunk, they do that. Like one minute they're giddy and next minute they're like reminiscing over their life, you know, and they're like regretting things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I just thought this was kind of a funny little scene here. The way he turns over and like he's going to go to sleep and then he starts really thinking about his faith and his belief. Well, yeah, he does say something that I think is pretty powerful for, you know, constant in this moment where he outlines what he perceives as the difference between his belief and her faith, mm-hmm. which yep. is that, you know, he was actually there. So he has something to actually attach to, like he's seen it with his own eyes, but for constant it's different and she only has the word of Polly and others to go off of, which is, I mean, that's, 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 that's the thing is that when you only have what other people say is the case, right? What does that do to you or for you? Right? Exactly. When you think about even just religions today, I mean, if it's not like some cult that just popped up, which they, they take from every other religion, you know, so nothing's new under the sun. 
but for the people who were there when something started you know what I mean mm-hmm. as opposed to Constant who was born well after everything took place she believes and she has to have like an unshakable faith to, to keep going and that's what he is you know he's really just thinking about that yeah I think that's you know this this scene is an outline and a focus on the determination and resilience that I guess you have to have in order to continue to have faith in and believe something despite for so long there having been nothing presented to you that really demonstrates that you should continue to really believe right mm-hmm. um well, I mean, if we consider Harry coming out of that vault, you know, for, for Polly when he was young, you know, he had been there his in his 10 years and he hadn't seen anything. But then we have Harry coming out of the vault. He sees it with his own eyes. I guess he must have had some sort of faith beforehand, but then he got to have that faith um, confirmed, right? Yeah. Then, of course, it's almost like the second coming but it took over a hundred years for Harry to, you know, invite them into the vault, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just think that he is reckoning with himself um, based on that experience. And he's probably feeling like, you know, all those years I was drinking and doing drugs and not really, really, I think he probably feels like he wasn't, of course, not really super committed to it because it was, it had taken so many years and now he's ready to recommit himself, I think you know, to the, to the plan and to what Harry, um, what Harry has laid out for them. Yeah. We see that all his plans going to be thwarted because when he turns around, they're being detained. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just like to mention that, you know, I don't know. I, it's it's not, it's not really that deep, but the fact that (laughs) in this moment, he basically outlines how brother Constance faith is a special kind of, you know, thing that even if her father doesn't see it is it means something, right? Right. But I was just thinking about how um her name is Brother Constant and that ties into her consistency of faith. That's true. Just a little just a little a little thing there. Yeah, I think I think I like that. I think yeah, I think that's a great name for her in, in relationship to her faith. So yeah, I agree. Yep. So now, I mean we've talked about um. Oh, you know what? We have to go back. I am so sorry. We have to definitely go back because in the next scene, I was trying to skip ahead to Harry and Gail and Salvor, but we have to go back, guys, and we have to talk about the Empire because we already know what's happening over there. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there. It's, it's Queen Sarath is you know being Queen Sarath. Mm-hmm. She is getting Empire into a whole lot more than they really bargained for. <laughs> Which is, uh, yes, well, interesting. you know what? For a guy who who has probably spent the majority of his adult life not consulting with people and not telling people what he's doing or thinking, I mean, this serves him right. I'm talking about Brother Day. Like he he calls his grand meeting, you know, and then. He introduces her, the fanfare, you know, he, 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 he links her and ties her to the fact that we're not going to have this genetic dynasty any longer. And he's likening her to um, the first Empress 
Empress Winneset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Who, by the way, in this scene, we see her statue, and it's her. the appearance of her in this statue is the same appearance that we've seen in the intro from all the way from the very beginning of this show. Right, the opening credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, interesting to think about because they knew exactly what this character was going to look like even from the very beginning. Yeah. Which to me is just like emblematic of how much the writers, directors, you know, the whole team knew exactly what they wanted to do so far in advance. Right. Well, um, we already know that they have planned out eight seasons, 10 episodes Mm -hmm. per season. So they already have probably storyboarded the entire thing, you know, to a point where, you know, they know what's going to happen. So for them to include certain things in the opening credits that are just piecemealed out over time, I think is really cool. Now, we're probably not going to get like Game of Thrones type situation where those maps used to, you know, they would update every season to add new locations and stuff like that, which I think would kind of be cool. But, you know, I guess it's already been done. So, you know, we're not going to try to repeat that. But um, I think that the op- first of all, the, the opening credits are beautiful to just watch. We always we always just watch them. We never skip them. <laughs> yeah, we always watch because Justin likes the music. And um, I like to just look at it. But we see here that Brother Day ain't consulted with nobody. He going to do what he going to do. Yeah, because he completely caught dusk and Day. dawn off guard. Dawn, right. Totally off guard. They looked at each other like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah, Dusk was like, well, I, at least we was able to get good while getting was good. Right, basically, that's what he said. <laughs> so, um, this scene, though, this, this scene, um, I really like for the looks. Now, we see um, Queen Sarath and Day looking at each other. And to me, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, we already know that they had that little stroll through the gardens. You mean Queen Sarah and Dawn? I'm sorry, Queen Sarah and Brother Dawn. Uh, forgive me, guys. Some, I get these these uh, Cleons mixed up, and sometimes I might misspeak. But when uh, Queen Sarah and Brother Dawn had their little stroll through the um, through the gardens, but in this scene, they're, like, giving each other a look. And I'm like, hmm, what's that look about? By the way, by the way, by the way, because, you know, I'm always, I always have to mention the hair. I am loving Queen Sarah's hair in this scene because she's giving like Donna Summer vibes. <laughs> this is like straight out of the seventies, you know, with the with the boofy, poofy, you know, curls. You know. Yeah, so there's that that um I guess nostalgia haircut and then there's another one later in this episode that mm-hmm. we see. Yeah. They're really they're really digging in the crates for some of these hairstyles. Now some of them look very, very um some of them look very futuristic and some of them look very not so futuristic like they like you can probably look at some old photos of your parents or your mom or whoever and be like oh my mom you know used to do her hair that way Mm -hmm. so i like when he says he's getting ready getting rid of the um genetic dynasty why do you think i don't know see these are questions i have questions why do you think demerzel clasps that little um salt um thing that she has on her bracelet I don't know exactly, but Mm. I mean, we saw it last season where in a moment 
on I forget what the name of that planet was. Yeah, when they were there with um I forget the name of that planet too, but when when the Zephyrs were trying yeah. to were vying for power. Yeah, we see that even in that moment, despite I guess a day not anticipating that she would bow, she bowed. Because yes. apparently, you know, it wasn't in her code to not bow, even though <laughs> Cleon probably did, well, Cleon definitely didn't appreciate her doing that in that moment. No, he did not. So, I don't know. It, I, I, I don't know for sure, but it probably has something to do with the fact that, like we've been kind of saying all season, and even some of last season, when we were talking with each other, that she there's something about her where it's not the only it's the the only thing that ex- it's not the only thing that exists within her to be in service to empire right but there's something else something in there. else is in there right i mean we see when she spoke to bell real she spoke about i know um what did she say pain can be no hope can be painful mm-hmm. now is that just something like ai that she spews because she's been around for so long or what does she know about that and in this scene, she has a look of, what's the look? What's the word I'm trying to think of, Justin? Help me out here. <laughs> mm. She has a look of, like, uh, disappointment, um, you know, sorrow. Like, what's going, maybe she's thinking, what's going to happen to me? Mm, you know? I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I tell know. you one thing, we don't really know because we already know that Queen Seraph knows she's a robot. Hey, yeah. So, <laughs> I can't wait to see that, those sparks fly, man. When that thing comes, when that thing comes out, ooh. Now that's a nice little bit of, of blackmail information. I think did I mention that last week? Brother Zay better watch his back because that girl knows she knows that. That now that right there, because if they're saying that the robot wars ended so many thousands, tens of thousands of years ago or whatever, he's not supposed to even have that robot. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. but Cleon the first, mm, you know, did his little sneaky whatever, and made sure that she was, you know, not destroyed. Or I don't know what happened to them, but apparently he made sure that she was able to continue on, and everybody been hiding the fact. Now, hi, all these hundreds of years, y'all don't know that she's a robot. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I don't know. I mean, maybe they were editing people's memories. Yeah, maybe, and it got so far out that they didn't have to worry about the people who had died off or whatever. Here go, here go Queen Sarah going off the reservation. Ooh, this girl here. <laughs> yeah, he turns around and is like, what are you doing? Exactly. And you can't go yank her, pull her chain, like, literally, literally and figuratively because she's in front of everybody. And that's exactly why she chose this moment to do it because she knows. Mm-hmm. She knows he can't do anything about what she's saying. But she said it. Yeah, the look on his face is like, uh, right <laughs> well you know what I mean he should not be surprised he should not be surprised at all he knows this girl's crafty and he told he told uh, uh, Demerzel in the last episode you know she's smart and she may have um, you know ulterior motives of her own he said that mm-hmm. he said that and I like the beginning of this is where the the power struggle really starts to heat up Cause he looks at her, she looks at him, and he gives her like to tilt head look like, 
girl if you don't get your uh, over here stop all this jaw jacking <laughs> <laughs> about what you gonna do and what we gonna do ain't nobody said none of this stuff yeah that's uh I you know I, I I just imagine a scene where after all these hundreds of years probably no or very few regular people have been inside the um imperial castle or whatever right and now there's suddenly <laughs> hundreds of people trying to get in like ooh maybe I can now get my piece in with the empire exactly have some say have some sort of dialogue exactly right it'll be like remember in um game of thrones when um daenerys targaryen was entertaining everybody who had a grievance or whatever you know he'll be sitting on his throne with people just lined up for days to come talk to him Mm -hmm. so but he gives he gives demerzel a look at the end of that scene and i'm like what does that look for just even i I cannot parse that look out at all. Like, why does he give her that look? Well, I well, you were saying earlier that maybe you thought it was some sort of, I don't know, guilt or something that he feels towards Demerzel for this whole thing going down the way it is or the way it has. Maybe, but I just felt like he was looking at her. I guess. I mean, that could be one. That could be one option. But I just felt like he was looking at her. Like, I don't know. His face just seemed to be kind of stern. I don't know. Uh, again, like we said, a lot of questions in this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tons of questions. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to move on to what I lovingly referred to as the meat and potatoes of the episode where we're going to come upon Salvor and Harry on the shores of Ignis somewhere and they're just having a little you know brief discussion what are they talking about well oh uh, Salvor is talking about how like all these I guess they're mm, the way her mentalics and her sighted abilities work, like all these other people's thoughts and what they're saying is like leaking into her dreams and whatever. Right, which I can only imagine is, well, if you're sleeping, it's probably not that bad, but when you're waking, I mean, I guess she'll just have to learn how to tamp it down, like shut it out. You know, they're they're kind of new mentalics, things they haven't had to... They're just learning, like they're on the learning curve of mentalics, so or uh, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where they're talking. And then she goes and um, meets with little Josiah, and then she finds out what happened to him. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But I think in that particular, um, in that part where she touches his neck, and then she sees what happens to him, is when we kind of figure out that Telem Bond has some sort of telekinetic powers right which means this telembon she is no joke she has got powers her powers got powers yeah so i just think that is going to be um another mystery for us to peel back the onion the layers of the onion on because she can she can know what you're thinking she can make you think things she can make you do things 
Like what? Yeah, that's that's you know, I think part of the mystery of this episode too, because we see. I don't I don't know exactly what the tie between all of these instances is, but we see all of like in certain scenes there's a distortion to the way like uh, the edges of the screen yes now in the case of when um salvor is viewing josiah's memory like i think it's because she's like some somehow interacting with his mind or his mind is interacting with her mind or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. like i think that the distortion that we see in this scene with the memory and in later scenes when we see Harry, like there's also this that same sort of right. distortion around the screen with him. Like maybe it's ha- it has something to do with a sort of influence or control being exerted by I guess in the in the case in the case of the scenes with Harry, it's the control being exerted by Tellum on him or something. Okay, right. because okay, that's a good that that is a good um explanation. I think that you may be onto something because um, I was trying to make some associations with that framing of the scene in terms of that blurriness on the outer edges and like, when does it show up? When does it not show up? And I think you are probably right because, well, we'll see in other scenes where we see that and it's like when the people are remembering. Yeah. I mean, in this next scene, we see poor, poor Salver being just overwhelmed with the people's stories and when we see her when we see the people's stories we do see that fuzzy outline Mm -hmm. i don't know that tell them woman she is kind of creepy to me i mean (laughs) (laughs) i just feel like she's creepy because the way she's smiling sometimes and it's just like i I got this i got the same feeling did you like to to me as i was you know watching this episode i was like number one it seems just so convenient that she just happens to be right there when these people need them or need her to be there exactly right, right. Now, I mean, how is that, that? Can, that i mean i that mean can be explained by her already having said that they have this sort of mental beacon that yes. draws them to each other right 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 but then like like you're saying her smile in some of these scenes of these memories is just like wait there's something a little off about yeah, that it's giving to, chucky to me it's giving chucky <laughs> like some horrors about to ensue we just she she just playing it off like we don't we just don't know how bad it's gonna get now we don't know how long she's been on ignis and we don't know you know how many people are there or whatever but um and she appears to be doing fine by the people we don't know that much about them yet mm-hmm. but i would not be surprised if she's like one of these super narcissistic cult leader types you know and and people just believe and I'm and I mean they're there for a good reason like she saved them from death and 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 pain and everything but um something is not right with tell and we see we we see we see it coming up we see it coming up yeah it's uh I mean I I, I think that's what this has seeing all these memories that's what it, that's you know the idea that they've been trying to get across to us is that her power is you know something that is to be feared and it's not to be just like oh now Gale and Salvor have a common 
you know, someone that they share this weird power that they've sort of always known they had, that they share this in common with them. Like, oh, now this is, ooh, happy-go-lucky, and now they right. have a place to belong. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, like neither of them has really had all their life. Right, right. right. But seeing her in those memories is like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, and I think because we, we learned that she can kind of, like, put put thoughts in people's minds, like maybe she well they were they were running away from something the people that she saved so i don't know again a lot of questions because she's a very mysterious person this whole mentalics thing is very mysterious um i don't know it's just i can't wait to see how it all unfolds because i'm very curious as to you know we we definitely got to get a a a tell and bond backstory at some point you know that would be nice so, I don't know. Well, we see her um, in here talking to Harry and Gale and Salvor about his plans for the second foundation. And, you know, they're coming to loggerheads because she doesn't want her people used. Because, of course, because I get the impression that she just wants to control everything. And because Harry is not um, mentalic, he's like the outlier, like he's the odd man out. I mean, he always has been the odd man out because he's always been so, you know, he's such a genius. Mm -hmm. Um, But on this planet, Ignis, he's really not, he's really not supposed to be there. Now, here's a question that I have, though. Because we don't, we, we don't know that prime radiant is something else because it drew, how do we, how do we know it drew him to Una's world? Right. When he was just um, data, you know, on like a jump drive, <laughs> for lack of a better description. Yeah, I mean, like like I like I was saying last episode, it's like how I mean, the only thing we know for sure is that whatever was happening inside the Prime Radiant, as he was in there, talking to whatever this the other thing. Oh, that's what I learned today was presenting itself as Yana and Kale. Right. Okay. But so like how does how does right. that work? Exactly. So what I learned today, I went and listened back to like the first episode of um the official podcast. And David S. Goyer was saying that Harry's mind was in there and there was another mind like another presence in there. So he wasn't in there by himself. Hmm right but he didn't say who it was but whoever it was was probably what drew him to Una's world I'm gonna say it was Kale that's just what I'm gonna say I'm gonna speculate and say that I mean it could be Yana I don't know well I mean we I I think we kind of talked about this in past episodes um how oh, where we were saying that Kale was kind of speaking for through Yana like he no, needed, no, he needed no, no, that no, no. okay I, I, I think what well, at least if I'm remembering it correctly and thinking about it correctly, is that we were saying that both Yana and Kale's mathematics are within the mathematics of psychohistory that is also represented in the Prime Radiant. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So some of their, I guess, cognition and thinking process could be 
manifesting itself through the mathematics but within the prime rating as those people which is the in my oh. mind the only reason mm. why Kale mm. and Yana would have appeared in there because their mathematics was a part of Got the prime rating okay. uh, psycho history in general that makes all the sense in the world but I mean like what you're saying with how David Goyer was saying that there's someone else's um uh, presence their mind yeah. in there yeah yeah I their mean, consciousness could there be someone else even beyond just yana and kale and uh harry hmm well time will tell but i thought that was a very interesting point that he made to that i listened to today in that podcast so i was like hmm okay so but getting back to what i was saying something drew him to una's world which perhaps it was kale inside the prime radiant drawing him over there right mm -hmm. then he gets a physical body which he hadn't had since he was killed on um the deliverance mm -hmm. then we see later on in this episode that you know tell him bond basically drowns him so i'm just trying to figure out what's the point of him being consciousness then being being given a physical body and then being killed in the next episode like okay i don't know there um, has to be is that part of the plan is what i'm trying to say that's that's a great question <laughs> which <laughs> i have no no answer no answer nor speculation well for. let's stick a pin in that and like revisit that whenever we find out about it like, like remember i said that <laughs> so yeah. they're discussing you know he wants to use her people and she's like no hell no you're not gonna use my people <laughs> you know go kick rocks harry we're not doing that yeah but then he pulls out the base well, i guess in this scene basically the ultimate you know reverse Ooh. card like hey you got this mule to worry about and he's a mentalic just like you and he right. rises to power and all everything you know it, it changes everything and everything just like because of what the mule does he creates such a big threat that if you decide you don't want to be the second foundation then all that you've built here is for nothing down the toilet and i like here and like what you said this is like the ultimate ace car for harry because he's got gail who i think is going to be like we see how smart harry is and we see how bad tell him is they probably ain't got Jack on Gail because she just revealed to um, Tellum Bond what the future is. Yeah, right? something that Tellum, you know, we see her in the scene. She instantaneously says, nope, that's not possible. You can't see the future. No, I don't believe you. Right. Until she touches Until her. Until she touches her. her. Yeah, and it's just like, like uh -oh. yeah, like, real. you see how she, sh she like, literally almost shrieked away from her, like, oh, like, uh -huh. almost like, Oh, Harry's right, and I don't even want to see this, right? Yeah, she, you know, she does get that look over to Salvor, and I was like, man. So here's the question I have because you know we see later on in the um show where she's kind of questioning um Gail about her visions, right? Well, mm. maybe Harry is planting these things in your mind, but. Okay, so we know that when she first sees the vision, she's um, 
after Harry comes to them and he says, okay, well, if you see in the future, you have to go up, you have to, you know, the fu- what the future kind of is going, where it's going to go down the tubes, 150 years. We need you to go to that point and tell us what you see. Did, but if Harry knew, he wouldn't have been asking her to go there. Right? Mm, I mean, that, well, I guess the, the, more relevant question in response to that is like how because Harry knows basic overall through psycho history he knows basic overall events and how there's going to be a first crisis and a second crisis mm-hmm. and he can have a timeline a basic outline of what's going to happen right yeah but the details of what is happening within that I'm not sure that he knows so that I mean he would have asked her to do that because of not having those more specific details, right? Right. Well, you're getting to my point because, you know, Telling Bond is trying to tell Gail that, you know, Harry's implanting these thoughts in her mind, but he doesn't really know the details. So, so she can't, I don't know. I ho- I'm hoping that Gail won't fall for that and be like, look, he didn't even know that this was going to happen. I saw it because we see in the first season that she's able to presage like what's going to happen, you know, like, if only a few seconds in the future, like she's she's precognitioning it is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, Tellum is trying to make the point that because she basically looks up to Harry as a sort of I don't know authority um, and knowledge figure, authority and model knowledge figure, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that perception of Harry and the way she views him has that effect on okay. her right kind of like a parent a parent influencing their children yeah which is and things like that what tell is trying to say is that i think she this the thing that she says is like harry's fingerprints are all over you right like so he has a level of influence over you because you see him in that way and okay. then she just is trying to say recognize that and find a way to grow outside of that otherwise you just stay stuck in Harry's shadow okay I can see that I like I like that Justin I really do that's a good way to that's a good that's a good way to to have me think about it all right appreciate that brother yeah and then at the end of the scene she's just like oh it's Salvador's birthday today by the <laughs> way just, just so you know right <laughs> yeah which is just I mean <laughs> you just drop that on her like that. Yeah, like, dang. You know, how was I supposed to know? I mean, I got these powers, but I, you know, I'm not trying to be surfing people's minds like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of scenes here in this episode of Harry and uh, Salvor on this shore, just like pontificating and bannering about, you know, in this particular scene here. Um, they're talking about his body and how he has it. Like, he doesn't even know how he has this body. So I guess that's part of what you're saying. Like, he can he can see big things, but not individual occurrences. Like, so yeah, he doesn't know how tiny, he has his body. Yeah, the not, not the tiny, minute, specific details. Yeah. Well, um, They're talking about his death and, you know, resurrection and his messianic, um, you know, his influence, you know. Um, 
but I think here is where she realizes that race knew everything like that salva she she's she's picking up stuff pretty quickly it, because you know she and Gail have had conversations you know she's trying to figure out how he has a body like okay maybe someone thought that you should have you know what well she says some skin in the game you know yeah which is interesting because I guess like we've been saying this whole time is that Harry is just he he just uses and he's very detached from a right. lot of the goings on of this plan that he has. Mm-hmm. He views it in this very macro scale, but like Salvor says in this scene, she doesn't want Gail to forget that there's people on all of these planets that she's trying to save. Yep. And that's where we get the, you know, the um the micro the well, the verses of Harry's macro versus the very still important micro of all of this inner workings of this plan. Yeah. It's, you know, Harry wants it to just go by the plan, but there's so many little bits and pieces that if you just, you know, you don't take those into account or you just kind of wave them away, then it, you know, you, you know, you just forget the humanity in all of it. Right. Well, I like that um, they're talking about, you know, losing themselves in the plan. Right. Um, Because we think after Yana was killed, Harry just really went down the rabbit hole in the in his plan. Right. Yeah. And I think for Salvor, you know, in terms of her thinking about the people, which she really doesn't, which she may not even really realize is that she is the person. You know what I'm saying? Like, Gail knows she's got to save a lot of people, but I think for Gail, she really just wants to save Salvo. Like, that's the person that she's really trying to save. Yeah. Like, if she could, if everybody got to die and Salvo are going to live, that's where I think Gail's, that's where I think she's going. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing to see because, I mean, it, it's already influenced what Gail is doing so far where she is, you know, feeling having these mixed feelings like even tell him pointed that out to her um in the previous scene where she was like well this sticky situation between you and your biological daughter who is right. the same age as you is just that all of that is just so difficult for her to deal with and it it's it, it's like like we said at the beginning of this episode this table setting for how the that choice is going to end up manifesting itself yeah and over time whatever major impact it's going to have in the future is you know it's going to be an even stickier situation than whatever relationship that gail and salvor have yeah yeah well we see um gail in this next scene is learning some more about herself and about what her potential oh. her powers are. But bef- before you move on, I sure. just wanted to say that in that scene, um, which which scene, babe? The one that we just just were okay. talking about okay. with. Um. Th- does it happen? I don't remember if it happens in that same scene. But does do Gail and Tellum walk up to them? 
walk up to uh, Harry and Salvor. Oh, yeah. We forgot to talk about the plan that they proposed. I think that is the scene. Hold on a second. Because, I mean, okay, no, it doesn't Oh, happen. no, it's it not. It happens later. It happens later. Yeah, so. You, shall can, we? you can continue. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're good. Because we're just trying to we're just trying to make this thing as smooth as possible. But in this particular scene here, we see Gail and Tellum Bond having a little tete a tete. Well, basically, I think Tellum's there to just kind of um, exert her influence over Gail. Yeah, she's uh, she's there to rattle her. Definitely. Yeah, because she throws water in her face. I'm like, whoa! Now reflexes would have kicked in. She would have probably got punched right in the face. <laughs> I'm just saying. If it was you, yeah. If it was me, you you would got a fist to the to the to the teeth. <laughs> so we see we see very very um clandestinely that Gail has hidden the prime radiant on the table. It's just been unfolded so that it's flat. Yeah, and when we first watched it, I noticed that I was like, "Wait, that looks like cuz you can see well, we've seen the way the Prime Radiant looks all season. It has this, you know, it's it's normal shape, right? Mm-hmm. But then it has these gold weavings on its outside. And yes. what, if you're looking at it in its normal shape, it looks like those gold weavings are also, like, on the inside. Mm-hmm. So when I saw mm-hmm. that, I was like, wait, what See, is I that? Is I that the Prime Radiant? Right. I didn't pick up on that until we watched it the second time. But I was like, whoa, because, you know, again – this show they um basically they linger on a shot and that's supposed to say to the viewer hey check this out look i'm over here you better pay attention to this Mm -hmm. so they kind of show it twice and i was like oh that's the prime rate now this particular point where she pours this water on her and again like i said she would have teeth on the floor um (laughs) i'm just like okay i guess she's trying to demonstrate to her that she can send her to different places in her mind. Yeah, well, she's, I guess, using whatever sighted powers that they share to, like she said, walk around in her mind. Yeah. You know, using that association. And even in the beginning of this episode, we hear Josiah say to Salvor that, her mother's memories are full of water. Yeah, right. And we know that. But that was kind of that was kind of savage, right? What she did. <laughs> yeah, now that I'd was uh, like, oh, she'd have been cursed out, up and down, and teeth would have been on the floor. Um, but we see here though that um we discover that not only does Telum Bond have some sort of tele- telekinetic powers, but uh, Gail has some too because. She provokes her to a point where she wants to strike her, and when she moves her arm, then the lady goes. She goes back, like yeah. she pushes her back, and I was like, "Whoa, what did Gail just do?" Oh. Yeah. By the way, I think that particular shot of Gail doing that motion that we've seen that in one of the trailers. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I you I know. Think so. Yeah, I don't think I remember the trailers that much, but that was freaking cool. Like, girl, don't you don't you mess with me. You know what I can do now. So yeah. Gail is apparently picking up. She is on a steep learning curve to determine to to figure out what she's capable of doing. 
Yeah. And almost tell, by accident, right? Yeah, tell him recognize her too in this moment. She's like, she says something about how Harry, well, Gail is Harry's better, and she even, I guess, is admitting in this scene that Gail is her better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I wonder if that has any effect on what Tellum, you know, how Tellum thinks and what she's trying to do. Because I think, like we've said, that Tellum is just a really weird and, like, n- not really to be trusted because of the way she's going about these things it, like, it right. just seems like she's very manipulative so if she knows that gail is stronger than her like yeah it's almost like let me control your mind before you get ideas of your own you know what i'm saying yeah let me let me let me influence you before you figure out what time of day it is mm-hmm. so now here's a scene where where they um well, she she in that last scene, she she does give uh she already knows because this is how these people do. They find out what your weaknesses are. Right. Cult cult leaders, they find out what your weaknesses are and they prey on them. So she knows. Tell him Bond, I'm speaking about knows that Gail's weakness is Salvor. So what does she offer her? The uh, opportunity and the chance to. um To to make sure that Salvor doesn't die now. Can she do that? Can she can she offer that? Is that something that's a possibility? We don't know. But we already know that Gail, um, she would really love for Salvor not to die. And that is uh, part of what's driving her at this point, I think. So when they get to, when she offers her that plan, I'll give you all my children and you can keep your daughter alive. But Harry's got to go. And she takes her up on it. Yeah, it's uh. Which, by the way, I th- I don't know. I don't know because we've been talking about how maybe Tellum has this ability to influence or exert control over their minds, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if there may have been some subtle thing that Tellum was doing to Gail in that moment to make her more open to accepting her proposal. Right. Well, you know, that's a good point because we already see in this next scene what she does to Harry mm-hmm. when they go to him with that plan to um, let Sal, uh, let uh, Gail take the lead on the second foundation on Ignis. You know, we already we see how we, especially with the the way the screen looks, mm-hmm. we see that blurry on the edge of screen when we see the picture of um, when. When Telembon and 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 uh, Gail are on the screen, so I think that again, like just what you said, when she's influencing him, that's what we see. Yeah, and I'd also like to say that when uh, Gail starts speaking in this scene where she's you know outlining this proposal that Telem has given to her to therefore give to Harry, to me, th- I don't know if it was on purpose or whatever, but it just seemed to me if, if, if we're, you know, keeping with that, it was on purpose that the way Gail is speaking just doesn't sound like it's her speaking. Hmm. Like to me, the way she's 
was like, well, hey, I know you don't really want to hear this, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It just sounded really, like, you know weird. Justin. Like, it wasn't coming from her. Like, it wasn't coming from her heart that this was, I mean, obviously, we know that, you know, Tellum gave her the proposal, but it just seems like there was something else, a little extra going on there. You know what, that, you know what, uh, I wasn't thinking about that, but you make a good point, um, that that may be maybe who knows what they talked about on their way over there you know yeah and whether she is influencing her subconsciously or overtly like okay now when you get over there you need to be forceful with harry and tell him this is what you're going to do or she she doesn't even have to do it because their mentality they can just unvoice and just be in her mind like that you know what i'm saying like she doesn't even have to say anything Mm -hmm. so but we see here that after she's telling him that that's the deal he uh, you know and i love jared harris he he when he gets ramped up he can go off and i love that about him and in this part he he goes he gets to a certain point but then she kind of like we see we see the camera go to tell him bond's face and she's like basically giving her that giving him that mom look like if you don't sit yourself <laughs> you know what i'm saying like he, yeah. she gave him the, the mama look as he was going off I was like, whoa, this is what I'm talking about. If she can control your mind, look, look, he is fighting with everything in him to control his own mind in this, in this scene. Yeah. Cause we see, we can see how tell is just like, you know, she's like poking in, in there trying to get him to, to, to like simmer down or whatever. Like, no, she's just trying to make him shut up. I guess basically. Yeah, well, she riled him up with, re- you know, revealing that memory of what happened between him and Doctor Taj. Yeah. On Helicon. On Helicon. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of deep, and that was even before we even knew what happened. To you know, as viewers, we don't even know what is she, what is she even talking about, but we see later on because um, once she gets him in the what I'm calling the drowning pool. <laughs> Tell him Bond is deep, man. But before we get to that part, um, we see Harry in this next scene with 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 Salvor. He's like, as soon as we touch down on this planet, I knew something wasn't right. And he said he can feel it slipping away. He 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 is trying to hold on to his mind because he's not a metallic. So he is just doing the best that he can to hold on to his mind, you know, on this planet with the with all with that woman around. Yeah, and it's also interesting because that same little scene we see that distortion and it's like yep oh, she's she may have still been having right some there. effect on him even right there exactly. however far away he was from her right right which i mean it's not like that's you know too terribly surprising because we know that both gail and salvor were able to hear her voice and they were however far they away they were on the ship yeah before, before they even got to ignis mm-hmm. right so but yeah, he he was still feeling some effects from that, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I at, at first when I saw that I was like, could it be that in that scene where he tells Salvor to protect Gale, like that might have been a projection similar to what they did with um, the moment between Salvor when she was going out and scouting when they first landed on Ignis and she ran up on. Um, Oh, uh, Hugo. Yeah, Hugo. Hugo Crest. 
but I don't I don't think so. I think that was the real Harry. I think that's the real Harry. Hmm. He was just having whatever that effect was like still lingering in his in his mind. Mhm. Well, this next scene, okay, where where you know, it's Sal Wars birthday and they're giving and and Gail is giving her the little fruit or whatever. It just made me start to thinking about birthdays, right? So, this entire show, we're talking about years and all of that. And we're understanding things in terms of like years here on Earth because we know what a year is, the one revolution of the of the Earth around the sun. Okay. So, how are they calculating years here? Right? I don't know. So, I mean, in the entire show, 138 years here, 50 years there, 150 years in the future. Like, what does that really even mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like, none we, of yeah. these cycles are the same as an Earth year. So, I'm just trying to figure out. I mean, it's kind of like a nitpick, but, you know... It's still worth mentioning, I think, because she does mention that we're on terminus solar cycles for my birthday, but we're not on terminus. So, you know, how is it even being calculated? Which which begs the bigger question in terms of the show's calculation of time and how things progress in time. Uh, I don't know, but I think I think we have heard mention of, um if not this season, then maybe last season, that they, I think their years are, it's just like it's, it is a standardized way that they measure time. But I think hmm. it's, it's, if I'm remembering correctly, it's something like when they say a year, it is such and such a year, year imperium or something like that. Oh, right? okay. So maybe it's measured in the same way. Like maybe they have the same time stamps as we do here on earth is what you're saying well maybe not you know the same for earth but it is like some sort of galactic standard mm. right okay okay i see it except if you're in the outer reach which you know because you're so far care. away from the sun it is exotic as that yes. <laughs> as that one uh customs agent was saying so here we go with the with the major I call this the major portion of the of the show. Um Harry flashing back to his childhood on Helicon and his adulthood on Helicon, right? Mm-hmm. So we see that um Telemban has plans to kill him. She got him tied up in this, what do you call it, the murder murder pond or whatever. I don't know what you want to call <laughs> the it. The murder pond. <laughs> but I think she is being, he is so right when he calls her a hypocrite because she's going to kill him. But you're, you're, you're busy ripping and running around the galaxy saving people, but you want to kill him. Now, she makes a great point about his kind, in air quotes, people who are not mentalic, who just want to, you know, murder and rape and pillage and you know, all in the name of power, mm-hmm. but she's doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, she's not raping and pillaging and well, we only, no, well, we only no. murder because we want to keep ourselves safe, but it's still murder. It's still murder. Well, right? I mean, it ju- just like 
anything, people find their justifications for whatever action that they're going to take. So facts in this moment, she's justifying it because she sees Harry as a threat and she really doesn't want him to be on this world to have any influence over Yale, who yeah. she's made this, you know, grand proposal to to give her children to. So she's and she already had something against Harry. So she's like, you know, because he's not mentalic. Yeah. She's like, you know what, I'm I'm just going to take care of it now. I'm going to end it now. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like, hey, girl, okay. That's how you want to do it? Well, we see Harry, you know, he he's flashing back. He's in the little murder pond, and he's flashing back to his childhood. Or we, I don't know if he's flashing back or they're just giving us some backstory. That's what I'll, that's what I'll say. So we see he's, like, super smart. He's, like, drawing all these, like, formulas and diagrams and whatnot on his little Kindle paperwhite. <laughs> that's what it looks like to me. And then he walks out in front of all those moonshrikes because he has figured out the pattern as to how they run and so they can launch themselves up to the moon. So they can graze on the moon. Right? Yeah, which is... Uh Amazing to see. That yeah, he's like had this sort of, I don't know, child prodigy, young genius type mind all his life. Yeah, but why does his father slap him like that? I just don't understand. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, I, I th- well, I we we don't know exactly why, but I think just for demonstration purposes, for us to know that that's the kind of environment under which Harry grew. I mean, we already saw it earlier this season when he you know he took the page out of that book and his father got angry mm-hmm. like you know it, i guess for, for the audience's sake they're just trying to establish that his father is an asshole yeah there's <laughs> just to there's, put it bluntly there's history behind you know some of why harry is who he is yeah we we and we'll guess i mean we see that and I guess if you're being slapped around like that, you feel like you don't have a lot of control, which is probably why, because math is so black and white that if you come up with theories and things that can predict the future, that you can kind of look at it as a way of controlling things because you know these things. So um, I think his father is number one an asshole, but I think too, he, he, and I don't know, his mother was afraid as well when she saw him emerge from, in, you know, the middle of all those moonstrikes running by him. But his father hits him, and I'm like, okay, were you afraid because you thought he might die, and now you're just mad because he gave you, you know, like, he put you through that? Those, that, ang- that anxious feeling or what? I don't know. All I know is that was pretty bad. That he's, I mean, he, like, full-on slapped him like he was slapping a grown man. Yeah. So now he's reminiscing about his his adulthood where he when he meets Yana. Now when Yana walks up, I think I think Yana um personally I think she planned the whole thing. Like not that she planned it, but I think she knew where his office was, and I think she knew she was going to go into his office and 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 collaborate with him there. Right? What yeah, do you think? She she definitely walked up and was you know playing it a particular way. I think to interrupt them. 
as they were having that argument. Mm-hmm. Not that she could have like foreseen that happening, but when she saw it happen, she the way she like introduced herself was like, "Hey, I'm here," and mm-hmm. then she just <laughs> probabilistic <laughs> analysis. Yeah. yeah, she just goes right into his office like, "Oh, I'll, I'll take this." Yeah, because she'd already studied him. Yeah, and she was like, "I'm gonna go work with this guy because he's doing probable he's doing probabilistic analysis, and I have the what did she call it the visual representation data visualization data visualization that's was her that is her expertise. So I think she knew that she wanted to go work with Harry. She was like, "I'm gonna do what I gotta do." She she's a definitely a woman who 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 knows what she wants and goes after it. That's the that's the impression I get because we don't really see her that much in this episode, but we see how she wormed her way right on in there. Mm-hmm. So they meet, they collab, they they collaborate, they fall in love, you know, and she realizes he's working on that. Uh, I guess she's the one who brings the data vis- visualization to him because he was basically just probably having it on like a database or whatever. Well, like yeah, she, she said, did. She did say it was like, well, the theory isn't much more than just looking at a database. Yeah, <laughs> so she she downplayed the heck out of it to that woman, though, didn't she? Oh, yeah. you know, if you poke it, it'll just fall apart. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, ooh. After I watched it the second time, I'm like, oh, she was just trying to she was just trying to downplay it to that woman because she knows exactly how important it is. Yeah, she was trying to get her out of the room. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me wonder. Like, oh my God, we see them, right? And then we see them, you know, basically decide to um, become collaborators and um, lovers, right? And then we find out that she's pregnant. But we don't see what happens in between. We do see one little thing that happens in between because we see Harry, see Dr. Taj being reprimanded by someone like she's in trouble for something. And then that next um, that next little bit, um, we see that uh, Yana is telling him that she's pregnant at the same time that he reveals to her that he got the prime radiant to work. So it, that was a great day for them, like she said. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, it's heating up, it's heating up. So if you notice, too, when she tells him that she's pregnant, she gives him that, um, what do they call that thing, Justin? You remember what they, did, she, did they have a name for it? I don't remember. I don't think they gave it a name. Let's see. He gets the prime radiant going. And they're all excited. Which, by the way, we got we get to see this sort of well, they call the it prototype. a prototype version of the prime radiant, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Like we see it, it's not clear. It's like made it looks like it's made of metal. Yeah, it almost looks like slate or something. Like you could like literally write on it to me like a chalkboard. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, which That's I just guess, the impression I got. Yeah, which, you know, if it's made of metal, I guess he could get away with, you know, disguising it as a rock <laughs> as he does right. later in the scene because it would be so heavy, right? That's true, yeah. She gives him that thing, and we noticed, this is what I picked up on, that it's shaped just like the vault. Yeah. So he yep. has been paying tribute to her, to Yana, ever since, you know, ever since she died, basically. That thing looks just like the vault. Yeah. And it and you can see it's colored gold and it's got the like those same little lines in there or whatever, which are the same gold color, you know, uh folds and lines that are inside the prime radiant. So I just think that that was a really beautiful scene. 
um, than to sharing those momentous occasions with each other. Yeah, and it's you know that's definitely an interesting gift because we see later when <laughs> Harry does what he does to Doctor Taj mm. that um mm-hmm. that that gift is special because it isn't something that is you know it, it's it's very scientific right in in the way that it works and so the fact that it works the way it works may, means that he knew exactly what was happening even though he wasn't there to see it or to know for sure what was happening mhm right did you notice th- how their shelves are shaped in those triangular forms in Harry's office no what what, what about them? I'm just saying it kind of it kind of reflects what the what the prime radiant look like looks like to me, you know. Mm, yeah. I just thought that was a pretty interesting little callback there. They're trying to, you know, that woman again, like what Yana said, that woman is desperate because she's already that man in that stairwell was telling her, "Look, you either get that prime radiant or Harry and his girl got to go to uh they got to go to Trantor." And he's just being so bullheaded, like I'm not going, I can't work there, blah blah blah. And Yana's pissed because she's like, you know what? It it would it, it would suffocate me. She's like, well, I guess you better hide this prime radiant really, really well. Yeah, she's 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 making the point to him very clearly that, man, you can't just do this one thing, even though you know we're in danger here. Right. You can't give up this one thing. You don't want to go there because it would suffocate you. Like, yep. come on. Well, you know, you see they have that you see they have that knowing look between each other when that lady tells when Dr. Taj tells them everything you do here is owned by the Imperium. Right. He said it's just a paperweight. And she's like she literally hollers in his face. It doesn't matter. And then they look at each other like, wow, this is this. This is not just, oh, they want us to go here and, you know, do this. This is this is very, very serious. Yeah, I think that's when I think that's when the light bulb goes on over Yana's head in particular. But he still doesn't want to he still doesn't want to go to Trantor because he feels like it would be stifling to him. And it's like, okay, but and she tries to convince him that 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 would be the better place to be. If this is if these are the parameters within which we're working, then it makes sense for us to be going um, to Trantor because of that statement that he made. Trantor is. What did he say? Nestled up against the um, ribs of the whatever. What did he say? He says that they will they would be tucked up under the ribs of the empire or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, she comes back at him, like you like you said, with a great point that really they would be safer being right there because if they go right where the empire wants them to be, they at least give empire the illusion or some amount of illusion of control right and so while the empire thinks they have control they'll still be able to do what they want to do while also like he says bringing up the quote from Gorik Tarka or whatever his name (laughs) is um that yeah that's the best place to slide a knife that's the best place to be able to keep a knife and just jab it in right when the time is right yeah I guess that close you know you know it, it makes executing uh, some sort of plan that much easier of that type, right? Yeah, easier, but at the same time, more dangerous too, because you're right, you are right there in the bosom. You know what I'm saying? 
and um she says what the why the gods made wine is because people that people who can't afford revenge or something like that so maybe that's their wine to be there on trantor but i don't know if you noticed that when he sits back down he that that prime radiant is like sitting right there on the desk but dr taj doesn't even recognize it because it's flattened Mm -hmm. just like it was on on just like the the modern day um prime radiant is flattened on the beggar and so um uh, bond doesn't even recognize it sitting right there on the table in front of her she could have just like lifted it right up and ran out of there with it but she didn't even realize what it was yeah <laughs> so i think this is a kind of a cool thing that that same form factor and that same action is um the same when harry first made his prototype as it is in the modern day prime radiant which is totally kind of cool so Bring us the device or bring us Selden, one or the other. But before they can do anything, that lady feels like she's not, she must be feeling like she's not getting any cooperation. So she's going to approach um, Yana, you know, after she walks out, she's like, before she walks out, like, you convince him. And I guess maybe she was going there to convince her, but she shows up at the door with a gun. Like, okay, you want me to convince him at gunpoint? <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, that that was... I mean, we see it even later in the scene between um, Harry and Dr. Taj where it's like, okay, you're going to take this route where you're threatening people at gunpoint. How do you think that's going to go? Because there's only a handful, if that, which really I think it was in this case one of two ways that it could go either the person succumbs and you end up getting what you want or there's going to be a struggle of right. some kind mm-hmm. whether it's a physical struggle or a mental and like sort of argument type struggle it's going to be a struggle so if you're not thinking about how that could play out then you haven't thought all of what you're trying to do through which i think kind of gets to something um from earlier in this episode but we'll get to that in a bit well, what did what did Yana say? She's desperate, so she's just doing whatever she's got to do to save her own skin. Yeah. And I guess if go, showing up at her door with a gun, you know, and basically like abducting her, and then eventually killing her, because we see in that next scene, because Harry's wearing that necklace that sh- that shows um his connection to his his girl and his baby, it stops, and he knows something is wrong. Yeah, which that has to be heartbreaking because of course you know you know the way the thing was designed. It's supposed to work in a particular way, and when you feel that happen, it it I know that had to be crushing for him in that moment because he's like, okay, I got home. Jan is not here, but now I feel this thing is starting to go crazy. What's happening? Yeah, you know that he 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 already knows. And he the, already knows. And the fact that, I mean, he he even says it in this moment, well, to, to Dr. Taj, he's like, well, for someone who goes snooping around other people's data, you don't protect your own. <laughs> and he's like, you, he, he's basically saying in this moment, you don't do enough. You think you're on this grand plan where you're going to extort me to get this um, prime radiant out of me, but actually, if you thought about what you were trying to do, you would have thought more, and you didn't. And so now I'm the one in control. I'm the one who's about to yep. 
I'm set about the terms to here. Do you, sister boy? Because he gets in that in that car, whatever you call it. I guess a little transportation machine. And she thinks she's got it all down. She got a little fake uh, hologram with with Yana sitting there, which is probably recorded right. Of course, recorded before she died. Mm-hmm. Harry gives her a big rock. <laughs> and she's she's supposed to be getting out of that thing, and he's supposed to be going off, but he closes that door, and they they both in there, and he takes her out to the middle of where the moon strikes, do their annual pilgrimage or whatever they go out to that thing. I just love this little scene right here because <laughs> she's killing me <laughs> <laughs> in that skirt, in, in that skirt, shoes. in their shoes, trying to walk over all them rocks. Yeah, and I I also like <laughs> watching her and just seeing her <laughs> the because of her hairdo. Like you were saying earlier, you were talking about people's hair. Right. Her hair in this scene, because she's running way she's running her like her hair is flopping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I just found that really funny for some reason. Yeah, and what I was saying earlier too, that's a classic '60s hairstyle because. My mom and her sisters used to wear those same little hairdos with the little pompadour and the bangs and the little hair come down and flipped on the ends. There's pictures of them with their hair like that. Now, like, can we discuss hair? Because, you know, it seems like every week I got to say something about the hair. And here I'm going to just talk about Harry's hair. Uh-oh. What about, <laughs> his, what, what about his hair? <laughs> what is wrong with his hair? I mean, I know they're trying to age him down like, okay, but I think the the hair people, come on, hair people, y'all got to do a bit better job with Harry's hair. It just looks very super fake, and it looks like, you know, a stiff wind is going to blow that little wig right off his head. <laughs> That's just me nitpicking this week on the hair. Because, you know, I think, I've, I, think it, I might have said this, something about hair every weekly, week. I was about to say, it's just a <laughs> weekly hair nitpick. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> She finally gets tired of trying to run on them rocks and them damn pumps, and she just kicks them suckers off. Um, and Harry Harry calls on her lies, 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 lies. But I like what you know what I'm about to say, right, Justin? What are those? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, it's man. giving what kind of vibes or whatever that meme was, whatever that meme was about people talking about what are those. But anyway, I like that they call those sheepdogs because basically. They're herding the moon strikes. And he has already figured out because he did it back when he was a boy. The pattern of how those moon strikes come around that come around there so they can leap off that um, off that cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get into a little spat here and he spat. They really arguing and hollering at each other. Oof. Yeah, I mean he 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 says it. She's she, she was like, Well, I couldn't have seen foreseen what would happen. But then he's like, oh, really? You're right. going with that? Talking mm-hmm. to me? Mm-hmm. The person who's, who's doing psychohistory? Right. Really? You're going to say that to me? <laughs> well, if you didn't know it was going to happen, it's because you didn't think about it. You didn't think about it. And I think that gets to something that we saw early in this episode where yep. he's talking to Salvor and about he says Gale? to her, yeah, that if Gail didn't know, it's because if Gail didn't know that he would be trapped in that Prime radiant. Prime radiant for 138 years or however long it took her to get off of that ship that was going to Helicon but, and back to her home world. If she didn't think about that, or if she didn't know, it's because she didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we're seeing, I guess, the origin of that thought, right? He's so tied yeah. to the psychohistory and thinking about 
and understanding and predicting and analyzing the way things work to figure out what may or may not happen in the future. So he's tied to this idea of thinking about things in order to predict and know what might happen. And so that's like his big thing against people who, I guess, don't do that. Right. It's like, well, think. you didn't think about it. Yeah, it's almost you can't, you can't take you can't take that as an excuse and say, "Oh, I didn't know what was gonna happen." Well, you didn't take enough time to think about it. Yeah. That's that's his. That's the story the of he thinks oh, about it. That's the story of most of our lives, and when we do things that we re- regret, you know, well, we didn't think about it. But here's Harry. He's just constantly always thinking about everything. And at the end of this, you know, getting close to the end of this episode, we see that he's, you know, he's on. He's at Streeling, and he he finds that 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 author and that book that Yana um, quoted from. And he, we see him going into the, the library where he's going to toil for the next how many years uh, with his psychohistory. And then at the very end, we see him in the murder pool or pond or whatever you want to call it. I'm just trying to figure out, do we think Harry is really dead? Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's a question. Yeah. I, I, I don't have any reason to believe he's not but it's like you were saying why would they bring him back to life essentially give him a body and then they go through all this just for him to be killed off again relatively quickly right <laughs> well now now luckily we know we're going to see jared harris again because he's playing the part of the other vault harry so we're not he's his character the actor is going to still be in the show but i'm just like is he really dead? Like, is he may be dead, but is he really going to be staying dead? That's my question, because we, we don't know. These shows have a way of bringing people back, you know, from the dead. <laughs> yeah, I guess if they wanted to, they could always just bring him back to life on Una's world. Right, <laughs> Like, like maybe they have some sort of trackers or chips in his body or in his brain or something, and they know he's dead, and they're like, oh, no, time to... Time to spawn another one. <laughs> yeah, time right, to like spawn a video game. <laughs> You die, you just get spawned back to life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the end of the episode, folks. But now we're going to get to our fun facts, our favorite scenes. Lines. Well, you're you're the one who has the fun fact this week. I don't I don't have anything. Right. To okay. Share, so my so. fun fact this week is about the actor Lee Pace. He is obviously he is apparently an avid hiker, and he has hiked solo for four days up a volcano in New Zealand. It's um, called Mount Raupehu in the Tongariro Alpine Crossings. Um, according to some biography in like Apple Maps, this particular location was also used for um, Mount Doom in the Lord of the Rings. He has also canoed next to a swimming moose. I'm just going to say it was a good thing that moose was swimming because if that moose had been on foot, he probably would be dead because <laughs> moose aren't nothing to play with. Yeah, moose are actually—they are savage. Huge. They're savage. They're savage, just like that—that that scene where Harry throws that woman underneath those moon strikes. That's how savage moose are. <laughs> so I like the way he killed her, but you know that was like, just getting back to this, the episode. That was revenge for Yana. That yeah. was Yana's revenge. Yep. Anyway, and um, also let's. Uh, what I also found that while filming Foundation, he managed to get a hike. In at a place called Carrie's Cliffs on Limerick Island. 
Um, it was on a road called the Wild Atlantic Way that took him through the western coast of Limerick Island. So he manages to get some hiking in even while he's on location, which I think is totally cool. Which makes me, which begs the question, like, you know, in that scene last season when he had to walk the um, spiral, mm-hmm. do you think he would have kind of considered that like a hiking situation? I don't know. I'm sure it probably maybe it probably was reminiscent of some, maybe some things that he has done, but he likes to hike solo, which I think is kind of dangerous. But even when like he's hiking up the sides of volcanoes by himself, okay, Lee, you do it, you do you, guy. I appreciate it. So, um, my favorite scene in this episode is Brother Day introducing Queen Sarah to the people. <laughs> I like the beginnings, like really the power struggle is starting to um emerge between them and starting to heat up he's giving her looks she's giving him looks she's going off the reservation he's trying to rein her in it's going to be something to see how these two tussle back and forth and um how is demerzel going to manage this that's what i got out of that's my favorite scene you have one just uh i think i would choose the moment where Polly was getting all sentimental about his oh, really? belief okay. versus constant faith. Hmm. Because I think that was very powerful for him. Mm-hmm. It was. And I think also, like we were trying to say during this episode, speculating about the title of the next episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they were giving that moment to him. If, <gasps> if we're speculating yeah. that he's going to be the one who Oof. is a necessary death. They're giving him that moment because that's what people do in these shows. They give him a big moment and then they kill him off. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, he spent so much time doing what he's doing based on this belief that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's basically gotten his wish. He's seen Harry Seldon again, the second coming of Harry Seldon out of the vault. Right and now, he's on this mission to do this thing, and like we were saying, he, you know got rid of his or he got brother constant to get rid of his drugs and you know he's trying to make this turnaround but i think all of that may be setting up him being some sort of sacrifice or being killed so okay okay well we see um well we see the next episode brothers constant and probably stand trial so you know what they did last time people stood trial <laughs> Those anagrams yeah. and those testaments didn't end well for weren't them. Weren't pretty. All right. Well, my favorite line in the episode is when Yana says to Harry after he asks her if she's going to drown him first, she says, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way <laughs> like, she said that. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you asking me such stupid questions? You, yeah. <laughs> she, she did say it to him in a way where she was like, Come on, man. You're smart enough. Right. You're already in the water chained down. What yeah. What do you think? Nobody's coming to save you. This water's rising. What do you think? <laughs> you have a favorite line, or did you already tell us what your favorite line is? Uh, I, I said it earlier. I think it oh, right, was you did. The, the lady who was, you know, the 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 customs agent. <laughs> was like, oh, right. <laughs> when, he, when he said, we're from the outer reach, she's like, oh, how exotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, my episode score is a. Uh, well, let me tell. Let me say. Do you have an episode score? Did I ask you first last time? I don't remember. 
I think you gave yours last time, so I can do mine this time. Okay. Um, I think I would give this a 4.8. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I like this episode because, you know, um, like, like, like you're saying in terms of your favorite scenes, the, the dynamics between Queen Seraph and Day is mm-hmm. just like, that they're setting that up for things to really not go the way way day not wants them to go right Mm -hmm. and that's that's just it's it's just not gonna go well (laughs) like we've been saying about a whole bunch of stuff no throughout this show it's just not gonna go well and like you're also questioning about what um demoiselle is gonna do through throughout all of that that's 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 gonna be interesting but yeah. then the scene with Hoba Mallow on the um, Spacerville, yeah, on <laughs> the spacer, <laughs> on the on the spacer <laughs> ship, like, what the heck is going on there? Yeah, I know. I was really, I was really hoping to get more of Hoba Mallow this week, but they literally gave us like probably not even five minutes worth of scenes with him. It was like, okay, my ship's stuck somewhere, and ooh, I'm on this thing with these spacers. Hmm, and that was it. Like nothing else. Like, okay, come on, y'all. I'm hoping we get, well, we do get some more, um, we do get some more of him next week. So let's hope that we get more scenes from him. Yeah. And I also can't wait to see what Gail learns about her powers. That's going to be very, very, yes. very important. Ooh, so, yeah. She is going to be the mother of all powerful people in this show. So, well, I'm giving the score, uh, the episode score of 4.8. And a uh, reason is because it's another episode directed by Alex Graves. We have a lot of new ideas to unpack about Telem Bond and what she is planning for Gail. Because we know she's planning something, but we just don't know yet. Mysteries, mysteries. So, I think that that is all I have to say about this episode. Justin, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think we covered everything pretty much that I wanted to cover. I don't think I have anything else to add. I think I'm good. All right. Well, very good. Well, folks, if you joined us again, we want to say thank you. Please tell your family and friends about our podcast. I have posted it to Facebook. I'm not sure what that's doing. But if you can, like, follow us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Amazon Podcasts because they're on all those different platforms, give us a nice rating. There's a little poll um, that we we may try to do another poll tonight for this episode. But there's a question in the poll if you want to go to Spotify and answer the questions in the polls. Maybe I'll make this announcement at the top of next week's episode. So maybe if you (laughs) don't make it all the way to the end. (laughs) <laughs> you can at least get it there. Um, but anyway, at this point, I think that's all we have to say. Thank you for joining us again. Until next time, I think we're going to be signing out. Yep, signing out.